The second annual Female Filmmakers Festival Berlin identified a variety of international films, shorts, and music videos of all genres to bring to the big screen in 2020. 66 films and music videos from 25 different countries. Wow, what a feat. Awarding 15 different categories, the festival added a green award this year and has shattered all diversity and inclusion milestones, setting a standard both in Europe and across the globe as to how all organizations should celebrate the talents of women and the underrepresented in both film and music media industries. My name is Jewel Sparks, and I am your host of this year's Female Filmmakers Festival Women in Film podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're here with Sarah Beth, and she is the writer, director, and producer of Fall Back Down. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm good. No complaints. Uh, you told me you want me to call you SB, so we're going to call you SB. SB, what's up? How you doing today? <laughs> good, good. Yeah, I, I, I love the SB. Um, sometimes when people say my whole name, like Sarah Beth Edwards, I definitely feel like I'm in some kind of trouble. Um, you know, but uh, SB is great, and there's a lot of Sarahs, and also it's, you know, I went through like a Polly Jean Harvey, PJ Harvey phase, so... Um, and SB is not so distinct, you know, in terms of gender. So like for all those reasons, I think it's also what people end up calling me, even if I don't necessarily kind of put it out there, but for, yeah. for credits, I decided I really wanted to put Sarah Beth Edwards because I wanted it to be clear yeah. that, you know, as somebody who's worked really hard to crack in and try to get over the castle wall um, as, as someone female identifying, then, you know, I wanted that sort of proof on the. Yeah. On, it's a very powerful name, actually. It's, I really like it. Sarah Beth Edwards. Yeah. I mean, which, which, uh, which kingdom do you rule? <laughs> uh, what are my options? I don't know. Or maybe you can pick one. You can pick one. The king, the Zoom kingdom, the Zoom kingdom. Anyway, so let's, let's get down to business. So, so Sarah, tell our listeners a little bit about um, Fall Back Down and basically what was your um, creative uh, inspiration behind this particular film? Uh, so, okay, so Fall Back Down is an activist rom-com. Uh, so it's, it has the kind of messaging that really matters to me as somebody who's very politicized and as like a very hardcore feminist, intersectional feminist. Uh, and at the same time, it's very whimsical um, and fun and kooky. And it's for weirdos and queerdos specifically. And if it, you know, touches more people, um, that would be wonderful. But I think what I wanted to do is is tell a story that really like valorized the people I looked up to who were really in the community around me and who were activists and they were um, organizers and they were kind of fighting the good fight. And to me, these those people, even as like a teenager, were like so you know they were like the rock stars of what. Of, of what I was looking at. And then there's this incredible music that goes with all sorts of music, punk rock, but also others. Um, so it was like, 
I just was never seeing that. And I was writing and I, I write other things that are also kind of in that world. And all these years, I still wasn't seeing that come on the screen. So in some ways I feel fortunate because, um, you know, as, as like a female content creator, you often feel like, oh my God, I'm never going to get, I'm ne- like everything's going to happen. All the ideas I have are going to like be out there by someone else before I ever get over this wall. And so it's kind of on the one hand, great that um, the, 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 what's going on in the world of fall back down and the characters are still, it's super important that they exist uh, on, on screen. Um, And I would love to just keep making more work in this, in that space and with these types of themes. When did you actually make this film? Well, I started writing it like, oh, geez. I've been trying to make it for like 10 years. Wow. Yeah. It was one of the first things I wanted to make. And it was originally kind of, it was originally set in Montreal. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, lot of activism in Montreal and there's a lot of, like, there's a bigger black bloc presence and, uh, and then, yeah, I ended up moving to Vancouver. And once I finally got the financing, which kind of came down and down, you know, it started off at a higher budget. And you just realize after years and there's the script is strong and there's all these good aspects to it. But you just realize, like, no one's going to give me this money. Like, yep. I'm never going to get. So it was definitely not ideal to try to make it at the, the budget that I made it at. But it was sort of do or die. It's like, if I don't get it made on this, I'm just still like, this is my chance. So it was through a government program called Talent to Watch. And um, it's a very painful process. Um, It's really tough. Everyone struggles in that program. But, you know, that was it. That was once you haven't been able to make something for 10 years, your standards get pretty low. Uh, And then, yeah, I would say roller coaster, but ultimately if those are your two choices like either you make it in this way that nearly kills you or you don't make it at all I think a lot of artists will still go you know try for try for it um yeah did you make did you make anything else or for like before this was made or literally it took you 10 years to find the like the right avenue in order to make this film that you want to and, and tell it the way that you want it to via diversified means such as government funding and stuff like that. Yeah, I made a couple shorts and I'm yeah. really proud of uh, one the, my my short that I made a couple years ago called Salty and that was also when I realized I actually do definitely want to direct. I wasn't totally sure I started as a writer. And, um, and then I realized my brain does that, what does work that way. And you get to play with music and costumes and all those things that my brain definitely thrives on. Um, but it didn't move the needle, you know, like so many short films don't, especially these days, it's very flooded. Um, but it also told me that I didn't really want to make a lot of short films because they use up your favors. <laughs> They're very difficult. That's true. And you know, if you really think about it, it's kind of like, it's, you know, it's kind of like that argument that people have where they're like, okay, you know, that there's, there's like this really expensive purse and then there's this cheaper purse. And then people are like, I can't really afford that big purse, 
But then they don't realize if they add up all the cheap purses that they bought that broke, they could just actually kind of make the sacrifice to, to, to make the big purse. And what I'm trying to say is, like you said, if you keep making like even just shorts, like you use up your favors, but if you like put together 10 shorts, I mean, at the end of the day, there you go. There's like the full, you know, so it's kind of about like just kind of having a vision working backwards and maybe potentially making films and feature films like like where you're just kind of work on it in segments. Um, but you're still working towards like the final project that you really want to bring to the big screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would just say to marginalized creators to think about that, that um, I just try to be really strategic because I know that the cards are stacked against me. And if you, some people make shorts that are very light and kind of, and I say, you know, do it. And also I think those people have an advantage because they've honed their craft, they've built their team. There's certainly good things that come out of it, but I wanted to make films that are quite ambitious. Yeah. You can see that with Fall Back Down. It yes, looks like it yes. costs a lot more than it did. And so I, and I like to have a lot of location changes and these like very full on characters. So that means set deck, that means wardrobe to flesh them out and make them real and all of that are resources so it did seem to me that i did not have access to an unlimited amount of that yeah so i should proceed with caution yeah so um sb what typically drives you to create um i think it's kind of like a disease <laughs> Because you're writing most of the time, right? So I imagine you're always writing. So that's not the deal. So how and what motivates you or fuels you to like take it from like the paper, you know, to the screen? You know what I mean? Like what, what is it? What is that tipping point or that something that's like, it's like, okay, time to move it from the paper and to get actors and actresses involved. And, I think and, that's an interesting question because, I mean, everyone's different. I come from a fine arts background and originality is really important to me. Yeah. Like I am allergic and I, I don't want to do things that are, are derivative. So I have to constantly be kind of putting myself and checking what's going on and seeing if I'm, uh, you know, if something else happens that feels like it already covered that, I have to go and like re. I feel I need to go and rework what I've done. Yeah. Um, so it's. I, I think there's a satisfaction in the writing, certainly. Yeah. Um, but then, yes, as you say, there's this point where, like, I'm super proud of the material I have, and people can evaluate scripts. They they do stand on their own, um, mm. as as works. But then, so much more happens when you shoot it. Like, it's like a butterfly you know it's um not to disparage the caterpillar but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yeah it's like it's a potential it's a feeling of a potential that I think I can see why writers could go their whole life and they'd like someone else to do it and but I think once you also get a taste of it that collaboration is really incredibly addictive and what can happen and I wrote on a, a show called Travelers and there was challenges there, but I did realize like the collective process of coming up with ideas and, and then executing those is like, it's like getting, it's like, it's a huge thrill. Yep. Yep. 
And in, in our lives, I mean, what can we say? We're, we're looking for certain things usually with our life, like security, safety, and then some excitement. And I think the draw that's a little painful sometimes is that this is, it's really exciting to make work that you hope is, is strong work. Yep. Yep. I think so too. And then it's something like you've accomplished on your own. You know, we've had a, a talk to a few um, directors um, as of now. And, you know, the one word or, that keeps coming up is collaboration, how they really enjoy being a director and able to like collaborate, like with the writers. In your case, you are the writer, the producer, the director, but I mean, but you know what I mean? Like they're like, and then the actors and like everyone. And I think collaboration is something that I also feel like is, is, is a female filmmakers. I think women are really good at collaborating. And it's, it's really interesting that more of our stories um, aren't really shown and also uh, aren't really told sometimes. And so I think it's really great to be able to share um, these amazing stories that you're making, just like what you did with Fall Back Down and like that whole journey that you went through. Um, my next question is, um, I don't know. I, I, I've been asking this question to a lot of the directors, but then it's kind of, then some of the answers have been interesting, but I don't know if there really needs to be a big influence on your work and why, because um, sometimes I think what I've learned uh, during our conversations is sometimes it's experiences actually that people have had that actually have been like the major influence on their work. <laughs> so I don't know if I should repurpose this question at this point and say something like, uh, like what has influenced your work and why versus who has influenced your work and why. So I'm going to leave that up to you to make a decision of, of which way you want this uh, question to go. I mean, I guess it's, a, it's kind of an extension of, of the, or the kind of Genesis uh, story, which is I think what I crave, I like really crave things to be on screen that are not there. Yep. I want to see, I want it to be much more like what I see around me and the amazing people around me and the amazing yes. music around yeah. me and the values that are around me. Like I'm yep. so fortunate to be in this, this like the, the liberal progressive, whatever you want to call it, left space is so wonderful. Like, the solidarity, the loyalty, the compassion, the love, the, the feistiness, the, how interesting everyone is. And like, that is not who, that is not flowing into the people who have access to tell them, best access to tell stories. Yep. Certainly people are finding their ways to do it. And that's wonderful. Um, and maybe we just live in the underground, but I would love to see, because they are, these are universal things that everybody can understand and, and actually value. Um, so to me, I think it's like, I want to push open. I just want to push some, some of that aside, you know, like make some, I want to be in there. I want access to the same career opportunities. And I want the people to, like, I want people to, certain people to come with me. And I want to see these other, you know, things going on from others so I guess it's just a little bit of like a revolution vibe <clears throat> that essentially keeps me going through the fatigue 
because it can be really exhausting and there's a lot of rejection. I just, I spent four months, you know, I was like, okay, I have a feature film I can show as a screener. And when COVID hit, I spent four months, six days a week, 10 hours a day applying to grants, labs, everything. I was like, you know what? I have something I can show now that I'm really proud of. And I didn't get anything. I got none of them. So, you know, it's just like, I'm not sure what the way forward is, but I do think that kind of that angst of like being kind of pissy is helpful when, you know, you're just hitting the wall a lot and supposedly things are changing, but I don't know. That doesn't seem to be the experience for a lot of people on the ground. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would just say that, you know, I want to see more of what I feel is a kind of truth out there and I want it to be easier for people I mean I watched a panel on the queen on queen sugar and the way that that's put together and the the philosophy behind it and the values-based approach to production and I was like this is it this is the way yep I mean what has to happen yeah but you know what I think like the, the reason that also it's put together that way is like I mean you also hear the story of how hard it was for them to like get the visibility and the presence right and so I mean I've been thinking about this a lot recently too like when there's like struggles or when there's issues with access to mainstream does that by default Um, kind of force you to think about things more strategically and analytically because you have to strategize how to like get aligned with people who at the end of the day aren't interested in potentially hearing or seeing what you have to say right so then you have to spend more time in the war room and I think as women and female filmmakers I think that if that approach is taken a little bit more like if you're always like putting yourself on the other side, let's say it's some like dude that like holds the checkbook and he's the one that's over the whole like production house or something like that. And he thinks that, you know, your amazing story, which is amazing to you and probably most of the other women, including his wife, who makes the majority of the purchasing decisions in the households that, you know, it's kind of like you have to like package it verbally in a way that he, you say something and then he's like, oh yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, versus like it maybe being something the way that it should be. I mean, it's like really crazy, like to have to think about things that way, but you know, on a different note, you said something about like uh, you had applied for all these different uh, grants and things like that. And it was during like COVID and nothing came back. Now, do you think nothing really came back because COVID it slowed down processes? Like, I mean, I guess what I'm asking is, like how did the pandemic basically affect you as a writer and as a producer and as a director, if at all? I mean, what was happening to you during that time other than you applying for all these things and, you know, just waiting? Yeah, I guess, I guess what it did is that forced time off was, could kind of be a creative time, which it partially was, but I also, um, I wanted to sow seeds. I wanted things are very um, a lot of things are annual here. So like if you don't do it at that, at that exact date, you're not going to get a chance for another year. And uh, I was, it was sort of, I was hopeful, you know, I thought maybe I had something that would move the needle now that I had graduated um, and I could be more competitive in these things, which are very competitive. All everything I went for is always 
it's, it's, there was nothing particularly new. They yeah. were all just programs that were continuing and intended to continue. So I don't think the pandemic that I know of had a big effect there. I just think, you know, what it taught me is, oh, I don't even know. I'm like, I'm always trying to figure out how to crack these things. And like which things, things, which things, which like things. how to get ahead, you know, like it's a bit like what you said in terms of sometimes you think, oh, I'll try to squeeze my things so that they look and sound different and pass through into the system. And sometimes I think, no, I'm going to go the other way and just be really yep, yep, yep. super punk rock and, you know, and different <laughs> things may or may not work, but it's almost like I feel this goes back a little bit to your earlier point, which is. I kind of think what the problem with any kind of ism, sexism, racism, all the oppressions is that no matter which way you go, those forces, which are not represented often by any one person, they kind of smell you out. You know, it's like they get you like you can get so far, but then at a point it's like the jig is up, you're busted, you're not in. Yeah. You're in or you're out. You're in or you're out. you got, it was, it's almost worse because you kind of get a feeling of momentum or you, you jump a few hurdles and then it's like, okay, but no, no further than that. You know, like I pounded the pavement in LA every staffing season. I wrote pilots. I wrote pilots. By all accounts, I'm a reasonably good writer (laughs) Uh, and I definitely work hard. Um, So it's kind of like, it's like you're blocked. And, and again, I don't think that unless you're on this side of it, I don't know that people can understand what that feels like. Cause it's no, it's no individual doing it to you. It's like a whole, it's systemic. And, it's systemic. and, and at That's a point right. you're just, you're spat out, you know? And I, I said to people who kind of um, there's some patrons who support the program that I got my funding through, which is called talent fund. And we had a mixer and I said, you know, this is wonderful because I can't build a resume on compliments and people are like, you're such a wonderful writer. You know, it's like, I can't, someone has to hire me. You know what? I saw this, uh, I forgot where it was the other day, but it was this quote. It said, investing in women is not a charity. <laughs> it's a smart business decision. Actually, smart, that place what it said, it's a smart business decision. And so I see what you're saying, because I think also like some people, like I was, um, I was uh, the other day I was, oh, I was writing the, um, the summary for the diversity and inclusion panel that we're going to do the virtual panel uh, that we're going to do for the film festival. And I was like reading all the stuff that it was happening with BAFTA and then like the Academy and how the Academy, uh, how uh, the Academy is making people take this like inclusion training or something like that. Like something like people were like, what? Um, and then like how BAFTA is basically making like everything has to be, I think of like a, a long list and like a long list, let's say there's 20 directors, like 50% of those directors have to be women. So like they're really like making, because what happens is it's like word of mouth or who someone knows. And then by default, even if the stuff isn't really that great, uh, that just by default, like of the chatter, then people are like, oh, it must be great. And so what Baptist is doing, which I think is really great, is they're making the long list and the long list, each and every film 
has to be seen before they can move on to vote for what goes on this short list. Yes. And this is absolutely amazing because I think what they're realizing, the power of influence, right? The power of association, right? And mm-hmm. so you're like, people are always associating nine times out of 10, the people that are members, they're friends, they've been there a long time. So they start to think alike, they start to act alike. And what happens is there's definitely no room for new for the new or for the something or the things that should have always made it anyway, but they just didn't make it because someone wasn't aware of who those people were. Like there was no like personal touch point. So I think it's like really great. Like you said, like sometimes there's momentum or they invite you in the office and like, oh, that's great. But it's almost like, it's kind of like they get themselves a pat on the back, but they don't really like dig deeper and be like, oh my God, this is really great. Let's take it from that. Oh yeah, that's great. I saw a woman in my office today. I told her her work was great. And then I sent her a merry way. You know, let's really integrate it into like the mainstream situation. I mean, but that stuff is crazy. Well, also let's take it all the way. Like there's a, it's a scale, right? Between getting a compliment and someone acknowledging your, your talent right. and, and they can do that a hundred times. But when they have a gig, when there is an actual deal, job, position, like think of me then. That's right. That's right. Like, Don't think of my idea that I gave you and you just gave it to somebody <laughs> and paid somebody else to do it now. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, here's my free labor. Um, exactly. It's like, don't just like all I would, I would add to what you're saying and that there's like, even taking it three quarters of the way is not enough. Again, I cannot build a resume on that. I cannot right. build a career That's on right. that. That's it has right. to, people I find they don't do an audit of themselves. Like the only thing that matters is how many people you hired That's and right. gave actual opportunities to and took a chance on. It's not about how supportive you are or how big the pom-poms are you got out for or that you put them in the final screening process yeah like all there's like so many things that you have to think about what matters for the other person not sort of your own you know and I think people just don't actually do that kind of audit on themselves they don't don't. and they feel they're they feel they're in a good place that's and that's where sometimes (laughs) right I have the funniest story for you. So a a couple of months ago, um, so like about every three years, like I decide to go work for like a a corporate or, you know, so I'm kind of semi-retired like in like 2010, but every three years, like depending on like what the situation is, like if I think that there's someone doing some amazing impactful work and I think that I can make an influence, like given my um, professional expertise, then, you know, I'm like, well, let me consider this. I really think I can make impacts in society and environment, et cetera. So anyway, so I was, uh, there was this NGO that basically I thought that their work was pretty amazing. And uh, they literally like, because you know, of the German holidays and stuff like that, like this process was like a three month process. And so they kept bringing me back in like, but I've gotten to the point where I realized when, when people make you do case studies and they like your brain, do they let you do the case study so you can give them the ideas and then they can incorporate it into their business models. But then at the end of the day, they still are like, I don't know, you're overqualified. So I get that like quite a bit. So what happened was it was literally like almost a three month process with holidays and everything. And then at the final, final, there was another case study and it was basically giving them ideas on kind of like how they could repurpose 
kind of what they were doing due to the pandemic because the pandemic had changed probably them being able to travel everywhere and impact like communities across the globe. And so how could they repurpose or add value to what they were doing um, and the people in the communities without being able to travel there, et cetera, et cetera. So I go in and I kind of do like this whole like case study, like thinking about all the different players, like the corporates, the other NGOs, the communities they want to influence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then like two weeks later, then they thanked me um, basically for coming in and for that experience. And they said my ideas were great. And what they decided was that maybe there's some projects or something that they would love to work with me on because they think that I have great ideas and that I can help them strategically. But they felt that there was somebody that they were looking for something a little bit different. But this is the thing that really you will enjoy. And then they said, and also, we want to know a little bit more about your diversity and inclusion work, because that really sounds like something that's right up our alley. <laughs> and so my response was, see, first of all, thank you, but no thank you, because like that diversity and inclusion work, I mean, I know I'm pretty sure you could use some of those insights, because that is at the end of the day, the reason why you felt that there was someone who was a better fit. And that's because you're not so inclusive, because you had in your mind the type of person that you thought you wanted to fill this particular role. And I said, and maybe in the future, though, as leaders, you'll realize that people who want to help you achieve your goals are actually more valuable than who you may have as the perfect fit in your mind that should fill the role. Oh, and so yeah. this, I mean, it's so yeah. funny how like also obvious this is. Like yeah, that's but it's not obvious, of, but I think it's something to, to, I mean, to us. Oh to yeah, to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like it's like it. It speaks to the kind of exhaustion about people not educating themselves, and this is a lot of stuff that we talk about fluently is kind of one oh one. And it would not be that hard for those companies to access it. And they don't have to take, they don't have to like kind of you pick it, you know, use you. Yep. Yep. Pick exactly. You up, just, you know, all the, it's, it's, it's terrible watching. It's terrible watching everybody go through these motions where, when I feel that they're not maybe like genuinely. I, I've started talking with my peers. We're actually kind of wondering like, can people learn this stuff? I, I, I don't, don't think so. I don't think they can. I think I don't think so. Because the deal is, I mean, and this is the funny thing, like I am like the most inclusive person in the world. And I'm sure these people think they are too. But the problem is you can't hire and, and the work that they do is like in these like, communities where like, it's a nothing but diversity, right? I mean, like they're enabling like people in India and Cambodia and, and all this stuff and women to start their own businesses. But the problem is, is that in their mind, it's like their own viewpoint of who they think should rule or be in a role. And that alone is the wrong way to go about finding the right person to be a part of a role. Like anytime that you have like all these things, like what you're looking for, like you've already like ruined, like I think a quality hire or the quality person that you can be inclusive of to kind of help you with your journey. And I find all that stuff like really, really interesting. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's like the, the structure of what's going on itself is too colonial 
and it's already broken and the amount of time it would take to try and explain that. <laughs> I anyway. mean, we, it's yeah, crazy. it's, it's like, it, it, this is why I think, you know, this idea of kind of, I, I'm sometimes I want to push my way in and then other times I just want to make like a whole separate world with just, you know, I kind of want to create like a parallel universe of creatives and forget about all that. I don't know, maybe, maybe with technology and maybe even through these changes that might become possible actually. Yep. Let's hope I think so. that's hopeful. Do you think um, SB that female, what role do you think that female filmmakers uh, will play in the future to shape the future of cinema? I mean, it's, I guess the caveat I would put on it is that I think female filmmakers are just filmmakers. And I tend to, especially because of, you know, kind of with gender identification and not, and trying to break down like all the rules about sexuality and gender and, and not identifying with those binaries. It's like, I, I don't, I, it can be tricky to feel like you're carrying the weight of some definition. So I, I try to straddle a line. Like, I think, I think there is a responsibility and yes. I certainly feel a loyalty to everybody who's been through kind of a similar path, although different, but like experienced some of the similar things that um, I feel we should stick together. There's like that kind of identification. Um, I think there's strength in numbers. I think yes. that it would be wonderful if we can remember that our value is to each other. And as much as, you know, we each take a kick and throw a brick at the, at the castle wall and the, the space that's occupied in the mainstream and, and try to get in there that we also look sideways and kind of laterally and, and not be totally just aspirational. Like there's so much, there's so much wonderful value Mm -hmm. uh, right around us yep, and yep. we could build that up and as I say potentially even create entire I mean I feel the festival female filmmaker festival Berlin I just could feel the energy coming out of these women like I was I just wanted to be part of it so much and thank you, and thank you. Yeah. that's like that's something you guys have just manifested out of pure Ever, you know, whatever emotions or, or traits yeah, you want yeah, to passion, passion, you know, you know what it is, because I always get, uh, I always get amazed when you have hear these other film festivals, and they're like, or the, or the, you know, these awards, and they're like, we didn't, we couldn't find any women. I mean, it's like, it's kind of like, there's not a pipeline problem. I mean, the same thing happens when they talk about finding like qualified, underrepresented professionals. I mean, they're out there. It's like, you just have to have the network, you just have to like, be able to, and, you know, willing to invite them to dinner and actually like put yourself in environments where they actually exist. I mean, and I think that that's the moment we can get away from the adjective identifiers, you know, but I think until that point, until there's like a level playing field, it's like, you know, you have to kind of have these 
one-offs or these like this is for this group or this is for these people or these are for the red fingernail colored people or something like that until like it kind of is balanced out to where you don't have to do that anymore but what I love is like working with this festival and like amazing like all these like female directors like there is not a shortage of female directors and just the amazing work that you guys have created it's been like absolutely great so i think like the impact um i feel actually that uh women can uh, filmmakers can how they can mold the future of cinema is like i think again like throughout these conversations and these podcasts everyone's bringing up collaboration i think if anything the impact is like teaching the industry how to collaborate a little bit better and like find stories that are more universal together you know and and i think that that's an interesting impact that i feel that women uh could that female filmmakers could potentially have on the future of cinema and collaboration um i was thinking about this after you said it last time collaboration when you have the uh, the thrill and the privilege of making content it's it's like a it's like an incredible web that goes out like the ability to incorporate fashion designers that have been of interest to you, bring their clothing in. Uh, uh, music particularly comes to mind. I mean, every time you take a, a quote unquote new voice and give them a platform such as a, a movie or a television show, and this is true with like Queen Sugar, Vita, I mean, you just access an incredibly untapped talent. network of yeah. talent. And like, this is, Absolutely. The goods, this is the good stuff, you know, like all this, a lot of things are kind of dusty and recycled and you can kind of feel it. And I feel like some of the people who helm these things, you know, I'm not sure they've had a, I, I, I'm pretty sure they don't remember when they couldn't pay their electricity bill yeah. and that they're trying to write, you know, someone who's like struggling with poverty. And I'm like, well, how know, does that work? To be, <laughs> right. There's like something to be said about, uh, I love this movement, uh, uh, which is like, a um, by us, not about us. Yes. And I yes. think that extends to like huge problems, lack of representation for people with disabilities. Every, um, everywhere, lack of women, like men telling stories about women, but then the only thing that's about that's female about it is that the fact that they found a female actress to do it, to play yeah. the role, stuff like that. Yeah, it, it happens all the that time. That is like way offside, by the way. I think it's unfortunate. Like, I feel like right now, um, Black Lives Matter is so urgent and the, by far the most important thing that is requiring everyone's deep attention and energy. Uh, I would say that once we get that stuff righted and, and see like, that's a big road, you know, there's so many improvements and changes that have to happen, but I would love to have a kind of circle back and, and, and there's a lot of lessons coming out of it, which is, you know, it's, I think we can safely say since me too and, and everything that like women are having their own unique experience. Yes, yes, yes. Right. And I feel like when that's something that, was a little too uncomfortable for people who are privileged and want the access to write those roles. Like they don't really want to shake it up that much. And so I think there's been real gains with like um, uh, indigenous and people of color. Yes. It's being acknowledged that they are the ones to tell their stories. And yep. also I would extend that to say not to exclude their ability to tell other stories also. Cause that's, you know, we've had 150 years of that. So let's even that out. Um, but 
you know, that's something that kind of got skipped over, I feel, for female identifying um, creatives is this, is this idea that we should be the ones helming uh, and have a meaningful voice in, in, those, in those tales, which is when you read the tabloids, I mean, it's just clearly not the case. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, SB, if you could uh, work with one person you admire, who would it be? Uh, well, right now I'm super obsessed with, um, well, I was obsessed and still am obsessed with Queen Sugar. And then, uh, so like that whole team and everything they're doing is incredible and just revolutionary. And the quality is beyond. Yeah. Um, and then Vita. So I guess I would say like Tanya Soracho, also because there's this sort of edgy underground, like punkier aspect to a lot of the ways those characters are written. And there's like a lot of like uh, queer, authentic stories being told. So, I mean, I'm just like, ah, that's so great. <laughs> uh, and then, and it's, it's, it's a tragedy actually, because that show wasn't renewed. And I feel like, I feel like Vita is the equivalent of Canada's like Schitt's Creek yep. in some ways. I mean, it's definitely feistier, yep. but Schitt's Creek started off as a smaller show with heart that was really original and it, it grew into what it is. And I, I just think Vita was definitely cut off in its prime. So if that could come back. Awesome. Please. Okay. So uh, one last question. Uh, what, what, um, what is a question did you like to be asked, but no one ever asked you? Um, so, well, something no one ever asked me is, uh, can I hire you as a director to direct this really cool movie? Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that would be, that would be great. I, I would love the phone to start ringing. Um, okay. I think it's... Call you? Who do you want to call? You have a few, a few uh, organizations and people in mind that you would want to call and, 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 and uh, ask you that question. Well, yeah, I think as a writer, I, uh, it would be, you know, Tanya Siracho or I met Sarah Gamble in a panel type thing. And, and she was amazing. Um, who runs you and um, the magicians. Uh, also, yeah, I would love to be, you know, work on Queen Sugar um, I guess that my expectations are more realistic to be hired as a writer Yep. because I just have so much material and, but I do think, you know, if anyone watches fall back down, there's a lot of proof there. Um, right. so it'd be nice to, when you hear stories about like, you know, the fellow who did safety, not guaranteed. And then like yes. three years later <clears throat> doing Iron Man. Yes. I mean, I think that's what we, all the marginalized yes. folks, like we want that. Yeah, we want to be yeah. taken serious that like that way and not have everything kind of diminished into tumbleweeds yeah. and having to start over and muster the same energy to keep going. Yeah. I don't think you'll have to do that. I'm looking forward. Thank I think you. We're going to hear uh, great things about you. I think moving forward. Now, don't forget the little people on, you know, this podcast, you know, of course I would <laughs> never, I would never um, the best okay. people. Yeah. Okay. So uh, one last thing, what's next for you? Ah, <clears throat> well, um, kind of on a similar tone in some ways, I mean, darker and more of a drama. Um, I want to, I'm adapting this incredible um, cycle, bicycle activist novel called Cycling to Asylum by a Ooh. Montreal writer named Sujay Sokol. Wow. And it's a kind of a, it's a border run. It's actually like a, 
a dystopian border run story and they are like a family that cycles it's set in the near future and uh it's so funny because well funny not funny terrible it was it's a sci-fi in a way that it's set in the near future but it's all about kind of this white right oppressive force rising in the u.s Mm -hmm. and this family uh are politicized and they that's being manageable, but under the new, you know, increasingly restrictive regime, they're, they're more and more under threat and they decide to escape to Canada. Wow. Which is like, not even, I would say it's not even that much of a science fiction anymore. No, it's realistic. Um, it's it's realistic. much more realistic. And then I just love like cycle culture. And I think bicycling is a, is a, is like an act of activism huge yeah um and i i'm excited by these characters there's a kind of uh there's a very like non-binary aspect to this you know the the, this future that i'm imagining and um anyway it's exciting so i look forward to you know rolling that out SB, um, I want to thank you for your time today, and we are very excited uh, to have you join our slate for this year's uh, Female Filmmakers Festival in Berlin. It was definitely a pleasure to speak with you, and good luck um, with your next project. And I thank look you. forward to the phone calling. Send me an email when someone picks up the phone and calls you and say, hey, I want you to direct our next film. <laughs> I will do that, just since you asked. I appreciate the... Uh, the offer to 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 get that text message um thank you guys so much i just want to reiterate you know how wonderful everybody is in the film all the actors we didn't get a chance to touch on that and uh andrew dunbar adila dosani jackie lie incredible made the film what it is and um i'm we're all really honored to be part of female filmmakers festival berlin yay all right good luck with everything take care Take care. Thank you. Oh my gosh. That was just one of the great stories from one of this year's female directors who were featured in the Female Filmmakers Festival Berlin. Wow. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the insights and the highlights from the festival. And we are so grateful to all of our many sponsors who helped make this special occasion happen this year. We want to especially highlight the support we received from Jamison, Furlow, World Color Studio, McMahon Media, Bithouse Group, United 17 Ventures, Startup 42 Media, Ave and Edom, and of course, the organizing team. Without them, none of this would have been possible. And last but not least, there would be nothing on the screen if there weren't female filmmakers who decided to take a chance on themselves and tell their stories the way that they wanted to tell it. We are very grateful for their creative multi-dimension talents and also their experiences that they share with us during this podcast. Please visit www.fffberlin.com, submit your films, align with us, and let's continue to find and amplify the voices of female filmmakers and music masters from across the globe. My name is Jewel Sparks. Thanks for tuning in to this year's Female Filmmakers Festival Women in Film podcast.